please remember this is a public broadcast and hit like on our Facebook page. You can also find us at unknownphilosophers.com. Uh, I'm Briggs Cunningham, your host today from Chandler, Arizona, and I have with me my co-host, Master Chef Cosmo Magli, Ozzy. What is up? What's up, my brother? How are you doing? Good, 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 brother. I hope uh, we're gonna have a great show today. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we have a great guest today, guys. Uh, our guest today is uh, Christopher McIntosh. Uh, he was born in England and he grew up in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, he brings us uh, a lot of different studies on philosophy, politics, economics at Oxford and uh, German and London University. That's where he kind of, that's where his art motto is. And uh, he wrote many books on uh, Rusicrucianism uh, and uh, a few non, uh, non-fiction uh, covers and a um, few fictions. He's kind of well uh, broad spectrum of different types of writing. Uh, uh, today he'll be talking about our uh, the, the revival of Rusicrucianism. So um, it's going to be a fun show, and I hope you guys will enjoy it. And uh, with no further ado, I would like to introduce our ho- our uh, guest today, uh, Brother Christopher. How are you doing today? Fine, thanks. Good to be here. Christopher, how are you doing? Christopher is broadcasting from Germany. How are we doing in Germany today? Oh, pretty well. We're 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 surviving uh, these troubled times, more or less. Okay, I hope you are too. We're doing great. It's it's great to be on a Saturday to to you know that's all we hear about right now, and it's great to mm. uh, uh, just take a break and uh, mm. uh, discover some things together today on Rosicrucian. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's get into our talk topic, Christopher, the Rosicrucian legacy and its relevance today. Uh, thank you, Briggs. Well, <clears throat> uh, I hope you're all well and surviving um, these difficult times okay. Uh, to be holding a discussion about Rosicrucianism online um, actually strikes me as being quite appropriate because if the early Rosicrucians were alive today, I'm sure they'd be making full use of all the latest information technology. You may remember that uh, in the Pharma Fraternitatis, when the the Rosicrucian brethren discovered the vault, the burial vault of Christian Rosenkreuz, one of the things they found was a minutus mundus, minutus mundus, a miniature world. And in a short story of mine, in a collection called The Sorceress of Agartha, I rather playfully suggested that the Minutus Mundus was in fact a computer connected to the internet. Um, But that was just a playful suggestion. Well, um, coming to the theme, uh, 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 the, the Rosicrucian legacy and its relevance today, the question arises, what is the Rosicrucian legacy? Well, clearly it's a multifarious legacy whose influence can be seen in many different areas, in the arts, uh, literature, music, science, um, in the number of organizations today using the name Rosicrucian, and of course in Freemasonry. Um, In fact, it has been argued, notably by the English 19th century writer Thomas de Quincey, that Freemasonry is basically a continuation of the Rosicrucian movement. 
at, at any rate, there's, there's certainly a symbiotic relationship between the two. So the question arises, um, the question uh, re re regarding the significance of, of the Rosicrucian legacy is particularly relevant for Freemasons. So what legacy are we talking about? Well, I'd like to focus on one particular passage in the Pharma Fraternitatis, the, the key text of the Rosicrucian movement. The opening paragraph declares that a new age is emerging in which God has, quote, caused certain highly illuminated minds to come forth who might partially renew the arts which have become debased and imperfect so that finally man might understand his true nobility and splendor, unquote. And a bit further on, there's a passage indicating that the aim should be to create, quote, a perfect development of all the arts, unquote. A perfect development of all the arts. In other words, it was a holistic vision embracing religion, science, the arts, and every area of human culture. Well, that passage could equally well apply to the present age. The arts which have become debased and imperfect. How true that is today, when one thinks of the things that pass for modern art, like an, an unmade bed or a pile of old junk or a, a pickled horse's head in a glass tank. And when, when one thinks of modern architecture, well, never before have we had so much technical capacity to create beauty, and yet everywhere in our towns and cities, we're surrounded by ugliness. Now, here's where Freemasonry has potentially an important role to play. Among the important symbols in Freemasonry are three pillars of the Ionic, Doric, and Corinthian orders, representing the principles of wisdom, strength, and beauty. All of them are important. You have to build wisely, you have to build strong enough to last, and what you build should be beautiful. Now, in the days of so-called operative masonry, these were principles to be applied in the practice of architecture and building. In speculative masonry, so-called, they became metaphors for moral and spiritual development. But I would argue that it's misleading to think of speculative masonry as somehow superior and more spiritual than operative masonry. In, in fact, working with stone is spiritual. Stone is alive. I'm a sort of amateur stone carver myself. And stone carving is a kind of alchemy. You're taking a piece of raw stone and conjuring something beautiful out of it. Now, at this point, I'm going to show you a few pictures. So um, in Scotland, where I grew up, Freemasonry has retained a much closer connection with the operative craft than elsewhere. There's a Scottish Mason, Brother Robert Cooper, who's done a lot of research on this topic. Uh, this is something that goes right back to the beginning of Freemasonry in Scotland. So, for example, here is James Craig, the architect who planned the new town of Edinburgh, where I, yeah, where I grew up, as I said. Um, he was a Freemason 
as were most of the architects and builders who worked on the new town. And that's one of the reasons why Edinburgh is the beautiful city that it is. But no one builds cities like Edinburgh today. As I said, our cities are mostly bleak, ugly places devoid of beauty. So we need to reconnect with the Masonic idea of beauty and in a practical way. Here's another city with Masonic connections, Washington DC. Pierre L'Enfant, the French architect who designed the layout of Washington was probably a Freemason and certainly many of the architects and stonemasons who worked on the important buildings of Washington, like the White House, were Freemasons, largely from Scotland, because the Scottish Masons were known as the masters of classical architecture. Here's an interesting figure, the English architect, Sir John Soane, who lived in the late 18th and early 19th century. He was also a prominent Freemason. And uh, here he is in his Masonic regalia. And on the right, you see two of the houses that he designed, Tyringham Hall in Buckinghamshire and Moggerhanger House in Bedfordshire. And um, he also designed the interior of his own house in London. You, as, as you can see, he was a great collector of sculpture. Uh, this house is now a museum. It's very close to Freemasons Hall and it's well worth a visit when you're in London. Now, here's another person that I admire, Rudolf Steiner, the founder of Anthroposophy. Steiner was also a Mason, albeit in an irregular lodge of the Memphis and Miserium system. And he was a Rosicrucian. At least he regarded himself as working in the Rosicrucian tradition. Now for me, what's really significant about Steiner is his insistence that spirituality shouldn't just float up there in some ethereal realm, but should be brought down through the hands into the physical world. And he did that in many different ways through his biodynamic agriculture, his homeopathic medicine, the Waldorf schools, the Eurythmy dance method, the, and the architectural style that he developed. So for me, Steiner is someone who perhaps comes closer than any other modern figure to fulfilling that holistic Rosicrucian vision, a perfect development of all the arts, as the farmer puts it. So what can Freemasons take from Rosicrucianism today? Here, I would like to draw an analogy with alchemy. Some people regard alchemy as essentially a symbology representing a, a psychological or spiritual process. But in fact, alchemy has always been a dual process. There's a spiritual side to alchemy, but there's also the physical work in the laboratory and the two complement each other. So one can imagine the same kind of complementarity in Freemasonry. Lodges that wish to do so could develop a closer relationship with the practical domain of architecture and building as at the time of the Scottish architects and masons who built Edinburgh. Now, of course, there's a magnificent tradition of Masonic lodge architecture, but that's specific to the design of lodges. So let me try to sum up what I see as the Rosicrucian message for the way forward. 
let's just compare the era of the Rosicrucian manifestos with the present day. There are many parallels. There's the same feeling that something has gone seriously wrong with the world. When we look around, we see divided societies, wars, mass migration, environmental destruction, cities that are devoid of beauty, the arts mostly adrift without any real spiritual content, not to mention pandemics like the one we're suffering from now. At the same time, as in the 17th century, there's the feeling that science and technology offer enormous possibilities to create a better world if only we could use them in the right way. So I think the essential message of the farmer needs to be repeated, that we need to bring spirituality back into science so that the scientist works in a spirit of reverence, as the alchemists did. We need to have a medicine that treats the whole human being, an education that develops the whole human being. We need to have the kind of art that uplifts and inspires us and an architecture that reflects divine principles and apply it in our towns and cities and also in our gardens and parks because the great architect of the universe is surely also a garden architect. And a number of the great landscape gardens of Europe were created by Freemasons. Um, here's just one example. The new garden at Potsdam near Berlin, um, created by King Frederick William II of Prussia, who was a Rosicrucian and a Freemason. And here you see an ice house, one of the features of the new garden, uh, in the form of a pyramid, a common Masonic symbol. And uh, over the doorway on the right is a set of alchemical symbols because King Frederick William was also an alchemist. And here I'd just like to mention my own modest contribution to the tradition of the symbolic garden. I don't have the means to create a great park like King Frederick William, but you can apply the same principles in a pretty small garden. So what I'm trying to do in our garden here in Bremen, in near Bremen in Northern Germany, is to create a garden of the mysteries, a garden of the mysteries through carefully placed reliefs in stone and wood, most of which I made myself. Here are just a few examples. Um, on the left, a relief of an owl sacred to the goddess Athena with an inscription in German that invites the visitor to look around with the open eyes of the owl and the wisdom of the goddess. And on the right, um, a stork, an important creature in the Nordic mythology, with a German inscription that says, to the herald of spring and the bringer of life, a, re a reference to the tradition that storks bring children into the world. Uh, on the left here, a green man for the Celtic mysteries. I didn't carve this one myself. I bought it from a dealer in England. And on the right, a stele dedicated to the Greek god Pan with an inscription that says, pause and listen to Pan's Arcadian pipes. And here, a circle of stones inscribed with runes, the ancient alphabet of the Northern peoples. And finally, 
a phoenix arising from the flames. This is a well-known alchemical symbol, a symbol for transformation, but I also see it as a symbol of hope, hope that whether we're Freemasons or Rosicrucians or whatever, we can help to bring life, bring, bring to life again the holistic vision of that Rosicrucian, in cir Rosicrucian circle in Germany 400 years ago, that vision of a perfect development of all the arts. So I think that's an, uh, that's an appropriate note on which to end my presentation. So I'll stop there and hand over to the discussion. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Christopher. That definitely gets us started. I, you know, doing my own research into Rosicrucianism and some family connections coming over from from Germany, you know, the first thing I think about is just our freedom and the seeds that these men planted so long ago, our freedom of uh, mm -hmm. the way we want to worship yeah. and the freedom to, uh, of the sciences. And like you said, the arts and the freedom to be able to develop them yes. um, is something that, uh, you know, in my own country here in America, um, I can't, you know, anytime I read the Constitution or even the Declaration of Independence, I have to think of those men back then uh, mm -hmm. when they were pasting these letters on doors and just, yes. I wonder if they knew, I wonder if they knew just by chance in the year 2020, we would be having a discussion like this. And if they could look down, I'm sure they're smiling right now and saying, go frauders, go. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes I think. I think they would be, they'd be surprised, surprised and pleased. Cosmo, how about you? And then Actually, any other, anybody else that has questions? I think there's a little uh, way in there. You can raise your hand or just one by one, just undo your mic and um, ask uh, Christopher a question and uh, looking forward to it. I'm going to mute off here, guys. I did want to bring something out, uh, guys. I, I had the opportunity to go to Scotland and England uh, a couple my first trip was in 2017, and my second trip uh, last year, and got to spend some time with a, uh, a brother out there, uh, Jeffrey Spence, uh, which I'm, uh, Christopher, I don't know if you know Jeffrey, he's over at Roslyn. Uh, uh, no, I don't know him. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he actually opened up uh, my mind into looking further into the stones and uh, the operative side of masonry because you're right what, we, what you just uh, what you did today is you just basically confirmed that what mm. he's been working on for the past 20 years oh really uh, mm. it's there i mean it is um mm. and particularly when i saw the green man uh imagery in in, in that stone that you that you purchased uh there i saw a very similar figure at roslyn uh really? it's hidden, but uh it's all over edinburgh i know that because he showed uh uh Jeffrey actually showed me a map of where everything is. He says, next time you come down, we'll take a tour and I will point out all the sites where the green man uh, oh, yeah. is seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I want to That's say maybe those were markers for ley lines. I don't know if you wrote this, Christopher, or somebody else, but even there's a broken image of Hermes on one of the walls in there. And that's where one of the major ley lines come in. So they were very aware of the energy in the, in the earth. And I think Cosmo, didn't you... Didn't you test that? Didn't you uh, did. operatively test the energy there? I did. I tested it in at Roslyn Chapel uh, underneath the vault and a certain section. Uh, Jeffrey pointed out we actually did the test both times mm -hmm. I was there, and uh, it's just it's an amazing uh, 
phenomenon, but it's it's natural. You know, it's part of the earth. It's part of the universe. It's all mm. there. So it was really interesting to experience that. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait till I go back the next time and uh, explore further, you know, further research there. Cosmo, Cosmo, how do you test that? Yeah. Brother Cosmo, you're on mute. You're on mute, Cosmo. There you go. Uh, basically, the way we tested it was Brother Jeffrey uh, had me remove my pendant. I was wearing a Masonic pendant at the time. And I had my hand out, and, then, and, I, and he was holding it uh, steady so it didn't move. And as I was staring at the, uh, at the pendant, basically he said, tell it to move with your mind. I said, really? Said, yeah, tell it to move. And I did. And it started moving, and it started basically swinging and it got it got faster and faster and then i told it he told me he said tell it to stop and i did and it just came to a dead stop in the middle really happening i felt this uh this like uh, uh basically goosebumps coming in from your shoe all the way up to my head back of my neck. Uh. amazing feeling and uh we had we had another another brother that came out uh last year he did it and he was just like, wow, what just happened? You know, and, uh, and he's, young, he's young in the craft. So this really kind of opened his mind a little bit to look further as well and, and start doing a little mm. more research and research. So. Mm. Fascinating. Anybody else have a question? Would you mind expanding on the, uh, the green man? I'm unfamiliar with that. Well, the green man is um, a symbol that that one one finds um, in Celtic mythology, but um, also um, in other other mythologies. It represents the basically the creative, the, the male creative force in nature. So that's that's what it represents. Um, and you see it all over the place. Uh, there's, a, there's also a, <clears throat> there's also a, a female counterpart, the green woman. And you find images of the the green man on the and the green woman, uh, for for example, on churches. You find them on, on ch churches um, all all over Britain and all over Europe. Um, very powerful symbol. I think that's uh, all, I, all I can say about the green man right now. I have a kind of, I'd like to segue into a brief uh, thing that Brother Briggs said about the ley lines and mm. um, with the pyramid positionings uh, being attached to these ley lines. Um, what, um, could you expand a little more on maybe the current state of ley lines? I've also, this is the first time I've heard it being brought up in Masonic. Uh, discussion. I've done a lot of talk through yoga meditative circles that I've been with, uh, talking about the planetary chakras. Um, for example, maybe the root chakra being Australia, crown chakra mm. being Shasta, um, and like that the third eye chakra of the planet can kind of move in a such, in a way. Um, so what I would love to hear any insight on, on ley lines. Um, <clears throat> I haven't done a great deal of work on ley lines. I've um, 
I've studied a little bit the ley lines in Britain, and uh, there was um, a British writer and um, archaeologist, you could say, Alfred Watkins, who um, he wrote a book called The Old Straight Track, The Old Straight Track, examining the, the ley lines of Britain. And um, there, are, <clears throat> there are some very interesting ley lines. Um, one, one that I've actually followed myself part of is one that goes from um, East Anglia um, in, the, in the east of England all the way down to Cornwall. And it follows the sites associated with, with, with the Archangel Michael. So, for example, it, uh, it goes through Glastonbury, where, where you've got Glastonbury Tor with the chapel to St. Michael on, on the top, and <clears throat> right down to St. Michael's Mount in Cornwall. Um, and um, there, there are other, other such examples in Britain. <clears throat> There's no doubt that these, that these ley lines exist. And... Um, Sometimes there are, uh, sometimes uh, there are also negative ley lines. At least um, so, so it is claimed, and it's possible to counteract these these negative negative ley lines. So but, um, could we almost yeah. say things like you know the the walk of Jesus Christ through his crucifixion, or juxtaposed to the Trail of Tears here in the West, <laughs> all being positive or negative ley lines? Oh yeah, that 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 could be yes, yes. That's fascinating. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I could share um, just a quick story on on ley lines. I was looking into it in my twenties. I had a friend. We uh, we're in Arizona, so we have Sedona, mm. and he took me back into an area where there was a river, and he was explaining to me that um, just the magnetic field there is different. It's not magic. It's science. And I, he doesn't, you know, maybe there's minerals underneath or, or what's going on. But he took me to a, a river spot and he, and he goes, get down on your knees and just put your hands out. And uh, I put my hands out and I could feel pressure. I could feel uh. a magnetic pressure in the air. And so there he got my belief. Okay, I get it. He says, you know, vibration mm. organizes matter. I'm like, okay, mm. okay. And then he took me to Bell Rock and where we sat. I don't know if it's a, a high frequency or low that you're looking for, but we sat there and we went into meditation, just, just quieted our minds, became nothing. And you could feel it is different. It mm. is. You can, you can, you can, you can probably um, uh, weigh it with this, with a, some type of scientific scale of what's going on there. And mm. I look at some of the temp, Templar structures and cathedrals, and they were aware of these lines. So I, I wonder if more research should be in going into that. A lot of the Hindu temples as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what are they for? Can they be used for health? Maybe I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Um, hey, actually, if I may, just just real real quick um, in that idea of magnetics, because I think that is a perfect scientific explanation for that. And I've had this ongoing theory recently that the earth, the world, planet, and people have bioelectric magnetic frequency that is always animated in exchange. And the world and technology that we built around us is a synthetic electromagnetic environment that is trying to operate within it. But we have an idea of 
identified that that could necessarily be a cause for stress or unexplained um, energy just because of the, the power of it. And so having that exchange and maybe these cities that are without the concept of beauty, wisdom, and strength could throw off the magnetic ley lines that we are currently existing in. Yeah. Hey, Brother Greg, Brother Greg so to, to, to add to that too, um, for example, um, Washington, D.C. is on, a, it's, it's on the 57th ley line, and that's what the number is if you look it up, according to Watkins' um, uh, map. But uh, in fact, uh, Briggs and I are, we're, we're actually planning a trip to Sedona as soon as we are able to, to actually test out, to test the, uh, the same um, uh, subject uh, philosophy that I tested in Roslyn, and I want to do that in Sedona. So we're, and, and we're going to probably have a group go with us to experience that. <laughs> and do that. So uh, yeah, it's just fascinating stuff. I mean, it, it really is. Yeah. Mm. That's what I love about this group and our speakers is we're all operative. We don't just read about it. We're like, let's go do it. Let's go check it out. What's going on over here? You know, what are these guys, what are these guys writing about? And you know, Christopher, you brought up alchemy and, and I'm an alchemist, you know, mm. there, you know, there is an initiation in there. I mean, nature, if you're attuned to it, um, mm. we'll walk you through it. Mm. Uh, you can know the stages of, of where you're at and, um, and in certain ways, you can start to pick up on that magnetic field, you know, mm. as yeah. well in those, in those energies. And again, it wasn't magic. It's, it is science. It's, yeah. it's yeah. great yeah. to be able to talk about this stuff in 2020 and actually have oh, yeah. pictures of it. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, Brother Jason was, had his hand up before me, but I would like to after he's done. No, I was just doing a thumbs up for something that Briggs said. Oh. <laughs> about being, us being more operative. Oh, gotcha. I, I, I tell you, I'm a, a thumbs up with what everybody said. Uh, I have a uh, um, degree in chemistry and a passing uh, interest in uh, meteorology. And about 20 years ago, the theory of magnetic waves um, and weather patterns was uh, just starting to float out and be explored. And we've, we've actually mm. established that there are magnetic waves that do interact with the weather patterns. We don't know the full effect yet, but I'm curious, has anybody done any research, or if you know of anybody who's done any research into the magnetic waves and the ley lines and uh, cross-referencing them? Uh, that's a question. That's a great question. I'll, I, I don't know. I'll have to look into that myself. What about you, Cosmo? Have you looked into that very much? Uh, no, but I think um, uh, our next guest uh, in the future, Mr. Scott Walters, might have something to say about that because I know he's yes. done some research on that. So Awesome. Yeah. How about you, Christopher? Uh, up in the north, I mean, yeah, so that's well, where the I gods say, are. I mean, have you <laughs> have you tuned into some of that stuff? Up well, um, I I have a friend in in Austria who told me an interesting story. Um, just near where he lives, there's a particular mountain that uh, is was a sacred mountain in the old religion. It's sacred to the the the, the Nordic gods, and um, at, at one point. Um, he had a visit from a group of Americans who were into Native American spirituality. And they decided to hold 
a ritual on top of this mountain and invoke the the gods of the, the um, American Indians. And uh, my friend Fred Lamond uh, said he was watching. He was watching from down below while while they were doing this. And um, as they as they were preparing for their ritual, he he saw clouds gathering. It was otherwise a clear sky, but clouds began to gather gather over this mountain. And when these when these people started their ritual, suddenly there was a downpour. So the 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 the, the point uh, the point I'm trying to make is that um, weather responds to human activity and um, what human thoughts. We've got that great but, story of John D and uh, Queen Elizabeth. You know about that story? No, just remind uh, me. I, somebody was coming to attack. I, I don't, maybe it was Spain or somebody. And supposedly mm. he did something and there was a great storm and pushed him back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was also going to mention, um, you know, when I study the alchemists, they all seem to have, uh, and the places I have visited, we even have a place here in America uh, in uh, old Ambridge in Pennsylvania, where we have a mm. grotto where the old alchemist uh, Fred or uh, uh, rap was, but even at the castle in uh, in Germany where Saint Germain was and those guys, mm. they had a grotto. And yeah, I just yeah. keep running into these places where there's a grotto, and I'm wondering if those grottos were also specifically put in ley line positions because it seems to be the place where they would go and pray and. Mm -hmm kind of like the Emerald Tablet, you know, just focus, go up to God, get the wisdom, get the knowledge. Like what you said earlier, bring it down and yes, then yes. apply it to the earth with the action. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's, that's quite possible that they did um, place those grottos on ley lines. I have a quick question on maybe a way to find ley lines. I've heard of you know, the, the old Boy Scout thing of you hold the stick and the stick will water. Um, yeah. Is there, is there kind of a exercise or thing? Is it activating of our chi sense and things like that? Well, I think there, there are different theories about, about how it, it actually works. I mean, one, one theory is that um, you tune into the earth energies so if you're if you're if you're doing if you're dousing with a a dousing rod, the rod is is reacting to the earth energies, but um, I I tend to think that it's that the deeper levels of the human mind are basically in touch with the whole universe. So um, the 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 dousing rod is reacting to your knowledge that um, there's something there, whether it's um, a, le a ley line or water or what, whatever it is you're looking for. Um, I've, I've um, experimented a bit myself with, with dousing rods and had some success with it. You can, you can also douse with a pendulum, which is what Cosmo described. Right, yes, yes, okay. I've used a pendulum as well. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, I've done a couple, like, you know, put myself in a very meditative, mindful state, very present. Definitely yeah. found myself at uh, interesting parts of the house. I remember one time kind of like looking up and seeing 
this spiral from my house to a tree to the moon up to the stars just really oh, yeah. a moment to drop into the to the environment hmm. yeah greg one thing i would suggest um testing out is uh i've done this recently is um going to YouTube and finding some music that has that 7.8 frequency that hurts the, yeah. uh, the same vibration, I guess the earth makes mm. it's a certain tone. It's kind of like the ohm, the, mm, it's basically that tone. Yeah. Um, when you go into your meditation, let that sound go through your ear. One of the things I picked up from it just this week that it taught me was just to slow down. Now that I've been, been doing that meditation, I have that tone in my mind. I have the speed of that tone in my mind. And now while I'm doing things, like getting ready for this morning, just nervous, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I, you know, we, we really enjoy this show and everything to go great. But it was just, it went to that tone, that frequency, again, learning from nature and just went, I'm going to go at that speed and everything's going great. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Mm. I'd like to jump in here and, and uh, maybe change the topic just a little bit. Uh, Christopher, <clears throat> I'm really interested <clears throat> in what you had to say about holism, and particularly uh, you made reference to holism with regard to the sciences. I'm interested in your thoughts about the place of Sophia in the Rosicrucian tradition and how you might see Sophia as being particularly relevant to holism in the modern age. Sophia, well, <clears throat> the, um, the, the, there are a lot of references to the Holy Spirit in, in the Rosicrucian tradition, the Rosicrucian writings, <clears throat> the, the house of the Holy Spirit, and so on. And uh, the Holy Spirit is uh, often seen as a female figure and sometimes is identified with Sophia. Um, and Sophia also comes into the, the Gnostic tradition because she is, she is a sort of a mediator, a mediator between the, the physical world and the, and the spiritual world. So uh, she, she plays a very important part in these um, um, Gnostically oriented traditions and, and also in the, in the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Um, so your your question is how the how the, the Sophia um, figure would would apply to science was 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 that your was that um, your question? Certainly, science would be included, but I'm more interested in in Sophia's role in holism in our experience and expression of uh, of our spiritual nature uh, as Rosicrucians or not uh, in in the current age. Uh, if if there are some yes. well, there, I think I, I would say that um, she is a reminder of, of the importance of the female principle, because um, in um, main, mainstream Christianity, the the female principle tends to be ignored, and. Um, but in the in the alchemical tradition, for example, in those in those alchemical images that you, that you see in, alchem, in alchemical books, there's nearly always a, a man and a woman working together in in the laboratory. 
Um, so that's that's one way I would see this holistic principle op operating. Um, the, the the male and female balance. That's that, that's what occurs to me immediately. Would it, would you agree with that? Uh, yes, definitely. I, and I appreciate you making those comments. Yeah, mm. uh, for sure. Mm. Um, and also, you know, just a, the connection, of course, between Sophia and wisdom in wisdom, strength and beauty. Yes. Uh, and Sophia also has a connection with beauty, of course, because yeah. most most of us males idealize the feminine form as, yeah. as a, the embodiment of beauty. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I had somebody describe it as, you know, um, or, or at least in the alchemical text, when I look at it, it's it's kind of that spirit, hmm. that feminine spirit that moves in in nature um, that I try to pay attention to. It's um, hmm. not masculine. For, for an example, anybody who's ever gone camping, hmm. uh, you're waiting for the sun to come up and you're in a beautiful area right mm. everything's quiet and you can hear that 7.8 hertz that oh yeah you can hear it and you know the egyptians always said the key was the sun and i don't think they really worshipped it they called it the aton or atmosphere spiritus mm. mundi it's that life force that's that's in the air and you can see it when that that sun comes up mm. and it starts illuminating the forest everything comes alive. The birds start talking to each other. Hey guys, this is what we're going to do this morning. You just, you, if you pay attention, nature mm -hmm. just comes alive. The plants start moving. And, and I think because they, they watch nature, like we do TV, they could see this stuff so much clearer than us. And mm. when yeah. I see it, I'm in awe when, when mm. I could see it every morning, if, <laughs> if I right. got up early <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, so I think from a practical um, look at Sophia, um, I would say, you know, it's, it is, it's that tapping into that, 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 that force in nature that it's true and, and, um, mm. always works. It always works perfect. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? I think Timothy Perez, did you, did you have a question? The tubing and circle was the circle surrounding Johann Valentin Andre, who was the author of the Pharma Fraternitatis or at least the main author. Um, so it was that circle the, in the early 17th century which really started the whole Rosicrucian movement going. Um, so there's, um, there's a, a lot of many differences of opinion um, about the connection between that original Rosicrucian circle and later Rosicrucian movements, whether, whether there is any continuity. Um, I think the, the the way I see it is um, well. I I would introduce the term, the notion of the egregore, and an egregore being a collective thought form <clears throat> on the invisible plane, created by many people thinking the same thoughts and focusing on the same symbols and and ideas. And so I think I I see the Rosicrucian movement in as an egregore it's it's um it's it's a uh it's an, an entity which you could say came into being um in the early 17th century and then was um nourished and 
added to by later um, people uh, who who um, proclaimed the the Rosicrucian message. So it's it's taken on a, a kind of life of its own and um, gather, gathered an, an energy of its own. So that it's when we look at, at Rosicrucian movements today, um, many of them wouldn't be rec recognizable to the, 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 the people of the Tubingen Circle. But um, to me, they're all manifestations of, of this egregore. So I, I think that's the way I would see it. What a great well, question and answer. Thank you very much. It kind of makes me think of the, the topic of a collective consciousness that's been coming up in uh, a, uh, whether it be through alchemy or just through meditation and yoga. And it, it's definitely becoming a, a mainstream idea of this collective thought pool that we're almost giving life to and then takes on a life of its own. That's yeah. definitely yeah, a mastermind. Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine having the collective thought, you know, you have, I don't know, John D and Kelly and Bacon and Wren and all those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, maybe they're meeting with uh, Frederick the Fifth of Palatine at his castle in a secret lab, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, or King Rudolph's secret lab that they finally found in 2005 under the ground. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um, I, I, I've been to that place. It's amazing. Oh, uh, I can imagine. <laughs> yes, it was quite extraordinary how that was discovered because um, the, um, the, the river Moldau flooded and um, one, one particular street was damaged by the floods and they had to, to open it up. And then they found this complete alchemical laboratory under the, under the street. And frozen it's now in time. That frozen, is frozen in time with all the, the old equipment, the, the flasks, and um, so, some of the chemicals, some of the, some of the substances. And it's now part of an alchemical museum. And it's an amazing place to visit because you go in at the ground floor, and there's a sort of a shop front and you and you go in and you're taken into a back room and then the guide there's a there's a bookcase the guide opens the bookcase and there's a secret door and you go down the stairway it's something like uh, it's like something out of a harry potter film you go down the stairway and then you're in this amazing alchemical lab wow complete industry going on down there glass making makeup uh, metallizing oh. and then the the tunnels down there were connected to all the trade routes it was brilliant it was a uh, yes i found a record of it around 600 ad it's one of the second oldest houses in prague and mm. even in around 600 ad which is pretty wild it was known kind of like as a pharmacy so you think alchemy mm. Rosicrucianism, medicine. I mean, they were all doctors. I mean, that's one of the yes. things we agree to do is to provide free medicine yeah. Uh, yeah. for those who are sick. Um, we've got about five minutes left, guys. Um, you know, I, I, when I, we just had a book. Uh, we have a book club here, and we just went through the Rosicrucian manifestos, and I got to visit some of those. It was fantastic, and it seems as though that spirit in those books are, are kind of like today when I talk with my brothers, what's going on. We're all being vigilant. 
mm. uh, of what's happening around us right now. And I always thought the Rosicrucians, you know, back then would, would more like to be public than secret, I think would maybe one, one of the differences if, if they had the freedom to do so, like, like we do today. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody would agree to that, but I would just like to hear some wise words from you. Uh, you know, what can we do as Rosicrucians around this time from what we've learned from our uh, frauders in the past? And then um, any other further questions and we'll end brothers. Uh, well, what, what can we do? Well, um, I, I, as, as I said in my presentation, I think um, we could start to try to apply this, this vision of a perfect development of all the arts. And um, maybe each of us could do that um by in our own particular way and uh, my my way of doing it is well partly partly by the books that i write and partly by the, the um the uh by cr- creating the the garden of the mysteries which combines visual art and poetry and um and horticulture so 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 that's that's my contribution, but I think we can we, we can each of us make a contribution according to our own particular talents and abilities. I love that. That is so Rosicrucian. We're individuals, but but <laughs> yeah. but together as one. But the the yeah. we're individuals. That's so important. That was yeah. that was wonderful. Mm. Um, thank you so much. Uh, any anybody else have any last questions for our guest, Christopher? Are you working on uh, any new projects that you might want to share with us that's, that we're looking forward to? Any new material that you're, you're working on? Well, I'm, I'm working on some um, sort of thoughts, thoughts and reflections, philosophical thoughts and reflections, which uh, may, may at some point be publishable, but I, I, don't, know, I don't know yet. <laughs> and apart from that, I'm, I'm working on our garden. Nice. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, Brother yeah. Christopher, what is the, what is your most preferred way for us to order your books? Because uh, I'm just now turned on to them and I would love to order them. Oh, well, thank you. I, I think uh, the simplest way is through Amazon. Okay. All yeah. right. Now, oh. how, how do I, how do I uh, get past this, uh, corona dark period and get over there and get an autograph i'm just kidding i'm teasing i'm teasing but thank you very much i appreciate that answer Hmm. it is my hope uh we can bring christopher out to the united states he was uh recently in uh california he's a member of uh one of the lodges there as well and i had some brothers contact me and and just said it they they just had such a great time with you so we're looking forward to to having you back for sure well thank you very much it's been been a pleasure being part of this discussion. All right, guys. Well, we want to uh, sincerely thank our guest, Christopher McIntosh. Again, you can find all of his work on amazon.com. Just go to amazon.com, type in Christopher McIntosh. He's got a lot of, a lot of reading material on there. I've been following it for years. It was such a pleasure and an honor for me today to, to be online with you and hopefully offline we can have some discussions. Um, wonderful person to talk with uh friday may 8th 7 p.m mountain standard time we have scott walter 
coming on uh, from uh, America Unearthed. Uh, I think a lot of you guys have seen his show. And uh, before we go, we'll have last words from Christopher and last words from Cosmo. Uh, this will be it for me. Best wishes, everybody. And we'll see you next time. And we'll, uh, we'll let it end with Christopher and Cosmo. Well, as, as I said, it's um, a great pleasure for me. This, is, this has been um, something of a new experience for me. I've um, given podcast interviews. Uh, and I've taken part in um, some meetings with, uh, with, with friends and relatives over the internet, but this is the first time I've taken part in a discussion of this kind. So um, it's been um, great to be talking to kindred spirits and um, I look forward to um, f future occasions. And I would like to thank you as well, um, Brother Christopher, and um, we're looking forward to having you on again in the future for so maybe a different topic. Mm, thank you very much. I want to thank all the brothers and fathers that are here uh, that participated today, and we're looking forward to the next show. And um, everyone, stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Bye. Thank you. Bye.